Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 7. We're in a series uh, this month called uh, This Is Us. And and we're taking uh, every week to just talk about Uh, Something that is important to Embassy City Church that makes us, us. Uh, Last week we talked about diversity uh, uh, and it was a message that I had no idea was going to get as much attention as it did. Uh, Overwhelmingly positive, some negative, uh, but none negative that could give me scripture. So, um, (laughs) you know, I don't mind a healthy debate or somebody pushing back, but at least give me some Bible if you're going to do it. Um, uh, But uh, this weekend, uh, if you're taking notes, all my nerds are taking notes. Why? Nerds rule the world. world. If you're not a nerd, you should become a nerd because if you're not a nerd, you work for one. Okay, so (laughs) and if you don't believe that nerds actually rule the world and if you have a smartphone, there you go. Okay, (laughs) nerds built that. So uh, uh, we're talking about doctrine this weekend, okay? So that, that's the topic, it's just doctrine. I didn't come up with anything cool to, to call it. It's just doctrine, okay? And, and uh, all doctrine means is teaching. That's what doctrine means. Doctrine actually means teaching. We are big on the teachings of Christ. We're, we're big on teaching the Bible. That's what makes us us. If you want a distinctive of of us on the weekend, we do three things on the weekend. We worship God, we read from God's word, and we fellowship. That's the three things that happen uh, on the weekend. We worship, I call it WWF, has nothing to do with wrestling or panda conservation, okay? It's it's literally worship, word, uh, and fellowship. And so uh, I want to show you something in Matthew chapter number 7, verses 28 and 29. But before I read that, uh, I, I want to I show you something that's, that's really, really interesting to me. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount uh, starts in Matthew chapter number 5, uh, and it ends in Matthew chapter number 7. Um, this is one of the most incredible sermons of all time because uh, Jesus teaches uh, uh, this, this first kind of public message, and it is long, and it is random. Like, like for people that like order and consistency, and if, you, if, if you're used to sermon series now and you like to track it and you need to take notes, this would not be the sermon you wanted to hear from Jesus. Because G, this is one of the most schizophrenic sermons that has ever been preached in the entire Bible. And Jesus does it. It's in red. And I want to just go through all the things that he covers in this one sermon uh, on the mount. Uh, the Beatitudes are in here, which is my dad's favorite thing in the entire Bible. The number one thing my daddy likes in the entire Bible is the Beatitudes. He has a bootleg PhD in the Beatitudes. <laughs> if you could get a, a, a doctorate in Beatitudes, my dad would have it. OK, so so he talks about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, God blesses those who are humble. OK. He switches from that message to teaching about salt and light. We are the salt of the earth, okay? 
uh, we're, we're a light on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He then goes to teaching about the law. OK, and then he goes straight from there to teaching about anger. He goes from anger to adultery, from adultery to divorce, from divorce to teaching about vows. Don't make any vows to taking revenge, to love for your enemies, to teaching to give to the needy, to teaching about prayer, to teaching about fasting, to teaching about money. And this is all one sermon. Like how many, like I can't take notes anymore. I give up, right? I put my notebook away. He's teaching you about money and possessions. Then he teaches us not to worry, right? The, the, the birds don't worry about what they're going to have and you shouldn't worry either. Then he starts teaching, do not judge others. Then he starts teaching that uh, you shouldn't, as it relates to wisdom, you should not throw your pearls to pigs or, or to swine, Old Testament. Uh, uh, wisdom, uh, effective prayer. Then he starts teaching about the golden rule. Okay, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Then he teaches about uh, decision making uh, the narrow gate. Right. Broad is the way that leads to unrighteousness, but narrow is the way uh, that that leads to righteousness in God's kingdom. Then he goes to talking about the tree and its fruit. You shall know a person by their fruit, which is from there to talking about what true disciples are and who true disciples are then ends it by talking about building on a solid foundation. If you build your uh, a house on solid rock, it's going to stand. But if you build it on sand, it's going to collapse. OK, the end of his message, this broad sweeping shotgun blast of a message ends with these two verses that I want to read. Verses 28 and 29. Here's what it says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He covered a lot. I'd be amazed, too. I'd be amazed that in one sermon he was able to cover all of that. That would have been amazing to me. This is what it says afterwards. For he taught with real authority. This is what this was the crowd's assessment of his sermon. He taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers, their teachers of religious Law. So Jesus covers a wide uh, array of subjects on the things that he decided to teach on in this moment. But what's interesting about his teaching is that it was done with an authority that they had never heard. Have you ever heard somebody cover a song? Right. You know what a cover is. the, The original person wrote it and sung it, but then somebody covered the song. But have you ever heard somebody cover a song like they wrote it? Like like they just like like they're the one that came up with the lyrics and they're singing it like they own the song. You ever heard somebody say that they you you own this song, right? Well, well, this is what was happening when Jesus was talking. He they had heard other rabbis expound on, on, on the law before and 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 give uh, incredible wisdom before and insight. They but as they were listening, they were kind of their eyes started squinting. They kind of leaned in and they were going this he. He sounded like he wrote this. This is this is a little bit different than what we've heard in the past. We've heard this teaching, but it's resonating with me. He's explaining it in a clearer way than what we've heard it before. So there's some things I want you to write down. These are not my three points, but there's some things I want you to write down as truth as it relates uh, to Jesus when it uh, comes to teaching. okay, and his teaching. Uh, The first truth I want you to write down. Jesus didn't teach the law. 
He is the law. This is very, very important for you to know. Jesus wasn't teaching on the law. He is the law, which is why when he came, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it because basically what he's saying is the law is me. (laughs) When the Old Testament writers were writing this, they were writing about me. And so I'm the lawyer that they're talking about. It came from my code book. It came from my, my, my rule book. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Second truth. Jesus wasn't explaining the Old Testament. He was explaining himself. Whenever he was talking about the, 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 the prophets of old and, and, and quoting from the Old Testament, he's actually explaining himself. If you look in Luke chapter number four, uh, uh, on this day when they walked into the synagogue, the scroll was open to Isaiah 61. That was the reading for that particular Sabbath. This was not something he didn't turn to the book of Isaiah. Chapter number 61. This was already uh, 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 the scripture that was supposed to be read by the Jewish people on that day. Isaiah 61. So he comes in and he unrolls the scroll and he reads what's what's going to be read in every synagogue on that day. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me and called me to do five things. Preach the gospel to the poor, set at liberty, those that are captives, okay? He, he reads those things, and, and then he sits down and says, today, this has been fulfilled, and you're hearing. And everyone's looking at him like, what? Did he just imply that that's him? Yes, he did, because it is him. Luke chapter number 24, verse number 27, write this down. I, I have it as a footnote in my Bible um, that, that I've written in ink. Oh, how I wish if I could go back in time anywhere in human history, I would go back to after Jesus's resurrection. And I would like there to be three uh, 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 disciples, me and the two others, uh, as opposed to the two that were walking on the road to Emmaus for seven miles. Because as they were walking, Jesus just appears and starts walking with them. And he and and, and they start. He said, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, where have you been? Have you been under a rock? Jesus, who we thought was the Messiah, he died. And then the women said he rose again. And then some other disciples went to go check and he's not in the tomb. And where have you been? And scripture says that Jesus took them, starting with Moses and the prophets and and started explaining everywhere in the Bible that was about him. From the Old Testament, 39 books of the Old Testament. And that's me. And that's me. And that's me. You know that water that came out of the rock? That was me. Remember when Moses struck the rock? That that was me. It was a type and shadow of me. When Moses struck the rock, it was a type and shadow of me being crucified and and, and then uh, me being poured out uh, for the salvation of humanity. Remember when Moses struck the rock twice and then he didn't get to go into the promised land? That was me, except he lied. The moment he struck it twice, instead of speaking to it, he was saying that I would have to be crucified twice. And that's why he didn't get to go to the promised land. Can't lie on me. He's explaining stuff that people are like, what? You know, the man that came from heaven, me. (laughs) You know, Joseph delivering uh, the people, uh, uh, helping the people uh, be preserved in Egypt, me. You know, Joshua, same word. Hosea, Yeshua, same name. You know, he took all the children of Israel into the promised land. Type and shadow of me, because I'm taking all of humanity into the real promised land that's in heaven. 
He's just explaining himself over and over again because the, the, the teachings are about him. Here's the third truth I want you to write down. Jesus' authority came from God's word and God's word is Jesus. I'm explaining this to you like this because this is something I want you to be able to share to others just like this. Jesus' authority came from God's word and God's word is Jesus. John chapter number one, verses one through 14. In the beginning was the word. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading NLT and I'm literally quoting it in King James. Get my mind right. Okay, so what happens when you have 30 years of King James in you? Uh, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning. Uh, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. When we talk about doctrine, we're talking about a person. Not a belief system that 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 you have and that that you were taught and that that you're going. You know what? I, I believe certain scriptures this way or certain scriptures that way. That's fine. But but a lot of people wind up disagreeing on teachings that expound on Jesus instead of making their foundation Jesus Christ himself. Here's the reason why we can have so many different diversities of theology uh, uh, under, uh, under one building. We have people here that are Catholic. We have people here uh, uh, that are uh, 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 cessationists. We have people here that are Trinitarian. We have people here that are Jesus only. We have, we have all kind of belief systems here. That's fine. Our foundation is on Jesus, though. I've had conversations with people there. Oh, this is a spirit filled church. I'm so glad I like speaking in tongues and I and I like the gifts of the spirit. We have other people in here that are like, yeah, mm -mm, not into speaking in tongues. Fine. The foundation is Jesus. That's where our agreement is going to be. It's going to be on the teachings of Jesus. And, and what we expound on Jesus, there's some things that you feel uncomfortable with or you spiritually you just haven't got there yet. That's fine with us. But I'm never going to reject somebody because of a nuance they have if the foundation is Jesus. So three more truths I want you to write down. This is the best way to explain the entire Bible to anybody. OK. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The 39 books of the Old Testament point to Jesus. 
Here's all the Old Testament is saying from Genesis to Malachi. He's coming. There's a guy coming. This whole thing is messed up. But there's a guy coming. Genesis 3.15, the first messianic prophecy given with promise. The seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent and he shall bruise his heel. He's coming. Genesis. He's coming. Exodus. He's coming. Leviticus. He's coming. Numbers. He's coming. Deuteronomy. He's coming. The, the whole Old Testament. He's coming. I promise you he's coming. I know you've been abandoned. I know you've been persecuted. I know you've been occupied, but he's coming. And can you imagine holding on to that hope? In the midst of being in prison, in the midst of being enslaved, but still holding on to the hope that he's coming. That's the whole Old Testament. The whole Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. The Gospels point at Jesus. It's the second thing I want you to write down. The Gospels point at Jesus. Here's what the Gospels say. He's here. (laughs) Old Testament. He's coming. Gospels. There he is. And there's something I want you to understand about the Gospels. The Gospels land in our book as New Testament. But really, the Gospels are the Old Testament. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are really considered Old Testament. And here's why. The New Testament can't take place until the testator dies. If I had a will and I was going to give my uh, wife and kids, leave them one hundred million dollars, which I don't have, baby, but I'm just it's an example. I don't want you to think I'm holding out. Our relationship is transparent. Okay, All right. I'm not I'm not trying to psych you out to see if you really love me and I'm holding on to some bank. No. OK, just go with the example. OK, so. If I was going to leave my my wife and kids one hundred million dollars right in my will as my last will and testament, they can't get that hundred million dollars unless I die. If I die, whoever has insured this, put this up in a trust would then release the funds to that particular family through that trust or entity, okay? So if I die, $100 million is given, wired, it's yours. Now, if I just happen to get up (laughs) after we've had a funeral, y'all buried me, but I come back in this thriller moment, (laughs) right? They can't come get the hundred million back. Because I did die. Me getting up is a bonus. <laughs> right? Well, well, uh, th- 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 there's nothing that's going to be in the insurance papers. Well, if he gets, comes back to life, though, then we take it back. No, no, no. I died. Right. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus was the fulfillment of all the promises that God said was going to happen in reconciling God and mankind. So he dies for our sins, which means everything that was promised can now be enacted and given to those that believe in Jesus Christ. He just got back up so he could hang out with us and enjoy it with us. 
Like, look, I, I wired the hundred million dollars. I've, I've wired eternal salvation to you. I just want to get I just want to hang out with you in eternity. So I just got back up. Let's let's all live together with our dad. OK, so 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 the, the, the gospels point at Jesus, the New Testament acts to Revelation point back to Jesus. Old Testament points to Jesus. The Gospels point at Jesus. There he is. The New Testament points back to Jesus. Everything that we're doing as a New Testament church should point back to Jesus. It shouldn't point back to like our own pop psychology, our own pop culture. It should point back to the teachings of Jesus. So the reason why we're very, very serious about doctrine here, teaching here, is because we're really, really serious about living like Jesus. That's why this is a Bible teaching church. I was raised in a Bible teaching church. My parents were Bible teachers. The the church I got saved in, God's Way Holiness Fellowship, that was pastored by my mom and dad, was a Bible teaching teaching church. I have the reason why I tell you how to take notes, because I have loads of notes from when I was in California under my mom's teaching, just getting the word of God simply. Doctrine teaching about Jesus should be simple. The deeper it is, the more you're getting away from teaching about Jesus And now just showcasing how heady you are. And here's why I know it, because if you go back to the Gospels and listen to Jesus's teaching, if there was one person that could have been deep, it would have been Jesus. Who's been here since. So can you imagine him coming down? Listen, I'm the son of God. I'm going to die for all your sins. But but I want to teach you about the essence of the kingdom. It all started uh, with a molecular molecule. Um, You you all know nothing about this, but um, since we've been here forever, um, we just spoke atoms into existence and then we kind of split them. Then we made galaxies. I don't have time to tell you because there's too many. We made these galaxies. They're awesome. Um, Then we made some angels. And um, you should see heaven. It's amazing. You can't get there yet. But um, it's amazing up there. And it, I mean, he could have been really deep with his teachings to the point where everybody would have been like, huh? But, but here's the type of G- teaching that Jesus did. Like he wants to teach on faith. Right. So he's like, hey, if you take this mustard seed um, and if you have faith the size of this uh, and you tell that mountain to go into that lake, it'll be done for you. Let's go get some fish. <laughs> it was so simple they didn't get it. So imagine if he was deep. Like he said stuff like, hey, there was a sower that went into a field and he sowed some seed. And some fell on thorny ground and some fell by the wayside and some, some the birds ate up. But then others fell into good soil and, and, it, and it produced a harvest. Some uh, 30, 60 and 100 fold. Right. That's simple, right? You're talking to people that understand agriculture. His, when they got privately, the disciples were like, hey, can you explain 
the whole thing with the seed. And he's like, aren't you farmers? This is, I broke this down to the very last compound and you still don't get it? I believe the reason why um, uh, uh, churches don't spiritually mature as, as, as much as they could is because the teaching's not simple enough for people to digest. Now, in every single church, you're going to have people that are meat eaters, right? They usually occupy the first four rows. <laughs> right? They get here early, okay? They look for the seats in the first four rows, as soon as you open the Bible and say, hey, turn to Exodus, you're like, yep, I already know. Yep. <laughs> Exodus 3, mm-hmm, Moses, yeah, burning bush, keep it going, let's go. <laughs> right? They're, 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 they're the people that, they like meat. Okay, but in every congregation, you have meat eaters and milk drinkers. So a good message should have enough meat for the meat eaters and enough milk for the milk drinkers. If it's all meat, the milk drinkers are going to choke. Because they're not ready to digest it. If it's all milk, the meat eaters leave hungry. And they usually say something like this. I just feel like I'm not getting fed. Because because all milk will starve you. Right. Cotton candy messages. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. Tomorrow's better. Ooh, it's better. Bow your heads. After about six months, you will starve to death. Because you need to be challenged. You need something that's going to hit you and go, I did not want to hear that. I don't know if I'm coming back. And then by Tuesday, you're like, I'll give it another try. Okay, Jesus, they were right. Right, because we're reading from the word of God. And if you're going to teach balanced doctrine, teaching, then you're going to cover a whole bunch of stuff. That's a good restaurant. A good restaurant has enough on the menu for everybody, okay? So, so, so the Old Testament uh, points to Jesus. The New Testament points at Jesus. And uh, I'm sorry, points back to Jesus. The Gospels point at Jesus, okay? So, so I wanted you to have those. Now I'll give you my points, okay? So um, three reasons why doctrine uh, is important. Three reasons why doctrine is important. Point number one, and, and this is going to be so basic, uh, but this is what I love about it, the simplicity of the word of God, okay? So, so the three reasons why doctrine is important. Point number one, please write this down. Teaching tells us what to do. Now, let me ask this question. I know it's loaded. How many people like being told what to do? By a show of hands, right? It's like four people. I love y'all. I love y'all. We don't like being told what to do. Yet, good teaching 
from the Bible tells us what to do. Because even though we don't like to be told what to do, we actually need to be told what to do. I'll submit to who's telling me what to do as long as the person telling me what to do is telling me what to do from Scripture. If Jesus told me to do it, and Jesus told you to tell me to do it, I'll listen to it. But my flesh is set up in such a way that if I think you telling me to do this, outside of the framework of Scripture, something in me is going to kind of stiffen up a little bit, and I'm going to be like, I'm not sure. Which is why religion has never worked for people. Because it, it, religion adds on to what Jesus told you to do. So wear a beard. Don't ever wear a beard. Wear all white. Don't wear dresses. Don't wear pants. Don't wear red lipstick. Don't cover your head. Don't have your hair out. Don't grow it long. Grow it long. Paint your nails. Don't paint your nails. No tattoos. All the tattoos. If it starts getting extracurricular, I'm, I'm going to stiffen up a little bit. Right? No amens are coming from me. I can amen scripture even when it's hitting me in the chest if it's scripture. If it's your opinion, that's when I start going, I don't know if I want to. Don't tell me who to vote for. Can't do it because it's not in the Bible. Can't do it. Stop it. Just shut up. I don't want to know. I don't want to know who you voted for. La, 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 la. Preach the gospel. Stay in this Bible, right? Because Jesus was born in the middle of the worst and most powerful empire that's ever been on the planet. It makes the United States look, at, look like the first drawing that Walt Disney ever made of Mickey. <laughs> the Rome that Jesus was born into was worse than America is right now, okay? And the only thing Jesus had to say about Caesar was pay your taxes, I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 16 says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Can I just stop right there? <laughs> scripture will do this to you. If you read this Bible, this is why I want a biblically literate church. Because if you read the Bible, it will teach you what is true and it will make you realize where you're wrong. I don't have to come confront you. All I have to do is have sound teaching. If the teaching is sound, it will make you realize I, I should repent. I think I better stop this. The, 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 I'm getting convicted by scripture. I've had people while I've been teaching the Holy Spirit will reach into their heart and pull something out that had nothing to do with my sermon. Like just absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. I'll talk to him after the service and they'll be saying, you know what? The Lord started dealing with me uh, about my unforgiveness. And I'm like, I was talking about giving. <laughs> We've been talking about giving for three weeks, specifically tithing. And that's what you got out of it. Yes, because the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword. And it will come in and get in your business. 
if you read it, it will read you. If you open it, it will open you. But you have to give it permission by actually reading it. Okay? So it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Okay. So, so it teaches us what to do. Point number two, write this down. I'll tell you, this, this is so basic. It also teaches us what not to do. And I have the same verse for it, right? I'll even read it again for you since that's the point. Second Timothy uh, 3.16, all scripture is inspired. By God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and, what, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It teaches you what to do, and it teaches you what not to do. I gave my life to Christ January 14th of 1996. You all know about my um, uh, sexual abuse as a child. When I was eight years old, I was molested by a neighbor that lived across the street from me. Um, I got into pornography when I was 12 years old. I was a full-blown porn addict when I was 19. I gave my life to Christ, uh, and I still struggled with pornography uh, for, for, for a while after that. Now, here's the thing. Here's the reason why I can never rest or use the excuse of, well, I'm just broken, and God knows my heart, and I just got this thing, and I'm just, you know, just by the grace of God, we all sinners, so we're just trying to do the best we can. Here's the reason why I could never accept that narrative, because I read the Bible too much. That thing was getting in my business. It was telling me what to do, and it was telling me what not to do. And every time I read it, I would just be convicted by the Holy Spirit. No guilt, no condemnation, pure conviction of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so nice about it. The Holy Spirit is so nice about it. He's like, hey, you know, you shouldn't do that. Right. Once you get over that, that, that inner judge on the inside of you, which is not the Holy Spirit, the inner judge on the inside of you is like, you're the worst and you shouldn't lift your hands and worship because he knows what you did last summer. <laughs> Some of y'all still remember that reference. That's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I've never seen the movie. Um, <laughs> take pride in that. Um, there's, there's something about when you get past your own self, uh, 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 your, your, your own um, self-esteem and, and your own self-consciousness, that's the word I'm looking for, where, where you really can listen to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's really nice. He's like, you should stop that. That's just not good for you. Because you know he lives in you. Like, he doesn't come visit you. Like, when worship's high and you feel like goosebumps, that's not... Like the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's not an emotion you feel. He's a person who lives in you. Okay. And so um, uh, he, he, he would just tell me all the time, you should stop that. Then, then I would relapse and he would go, you should really stop that. Like really. Got a beautiful wife. I, I, I put a call on your life. And this, this doesn't fit with what I've called you to do. You should just stop. Remember a great story that Joyce Meyer tells years ago. Joyce Meyer started Bible studies when she was a chain smoker. I just want you to imagine that. First of all, I would never be in her small group. Secondhand smoke kills, right? But there were obviously some other people that were like, mm-hmm, praise the Lord, <coughs> amen. She was given a gift. 
That, 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 that gift of wisdom flows out of her. But, but it, God, God called her before, before the nicotine habit was done. And then she realized, I can't let this little cancer stick get in the way of the purpose and plan that God has for my life. B- because I'm actually destroying his temple. Because if I die of lung cancer in another decade, how good, how does that benefit the kingdom of God? So stop. The, the Holy Spirit tells you what to do. He'll tell you to do some crazy stuff. Quit your job. Anybody beside me, he's told you to do that? Quit your job. And you're like, no! And then he'll say something that he doesn't want you to do. Like, stay married. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just let that rest real quick. It seems obvious, but sometimes the Holy Spirit has to tell you, stay married. And you're like, I don't know. I've already made up my mind. And he's like, no, stay. And not for the kids. Not for, there's going to be a breakthrough. And do not allow this temporary situation to make you make a permanent decision. Stay. Okay. He tells you what to do. Scripture tells you what to do. He tells you what it tells you what not to do. Uh, I remember being at a at a church um, uh, in Australia, actually. And after the service was over, uh, about seven or eight people were waiting to talk to me after. I had had many people walk up to me and say, thank you for the message. It was inspiring. So so once you hear three or four compliments, you're like, you feel good. You know, God, this is the message I know you told me to give. And I'm so happy that I gave it. And uh, uh, these seven people were waiting for me and they they were waiting to confront me. And they said, um, "Your, your message wasn't biblical. Because you didn't address sin at the end of it. And you didn't give an altar call for people to repent of their sins. I gave an altar call for people that wanted to receive Jesus. But they were mad that I did not actually, like, confront sin. And so, you know, I'm a literalist. And so I said, okay, what did did you want me to do? Well, you were supposed to, like, confront sin and, like, name sin and call out sin. I'm like, but there's a lot of them. There's, a, there's so many sins. I, how long am I going to be here? I'll still be up there talking if at the end. Do you know movie credits are like six, seven minutes after the movie? They count that as the, the actual showtime. Like if it's an hour and 58 minutes, seven of those minutes are just movie credits. They have to include those. I don't have time. Romans, Paul said that people are inventing new ways to sin. I can't even keep up. I can't even keep up with sin right now. And here's what I told him. I lovingly pushed back and said, I, I think you have my responsibility and the Holy Spirit's responsibility confused. My responsibility is to teach the word of God. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to convict people of sin. So I don't have to roll the credits. All I have to do is preach the word and the word goes out and starts dealing with people's heart. And I said, hey, you're 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 obviously passionate about souls. And so am I. Let's not let the enemy use this as an opportunity to divide brothers and sisters in Christ. Can we pray together? And the main person crossed his arms. 
and said nothing. And the rest of them were like, We've not, this has never happened. We usually debate with people. Like, like they were confused because they were like, we usually confront people and then they get mad. And why are you nice? And, and, and you want to pray now? So everyone prayed in the circle except for him. And the thing the Holy Spirit said in my, in my mind was religious on the outside, dead men bones on the inside. The teaching of God's word is enough. You don't have to add anything to it. You don't have to take anything from it. It doesn't need to be hyped. It just needs to be declared. And if we declare it with truth, honesty, integrity, and purity, it will have that effect. Point number three, and then we're done. Write this down. Teaching prepares and equips us. This is 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 17. God uses it, what? All of Scripture. He uses all of Scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Every single weekend that we gather as residents of this community, we are being prepared and equipped to leave here and go do good work. God has a great work for each and every person in this room to do. And we will not waste time talking about anything other than the teachings of Jesus. From the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the New Testament, we are pointing to Jesus so that we can be prepared and equipped to do great work. This is us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.